Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uneducated Rugby Podcast with me, Karen Harris and Lucy Jones. Luce, um, it's been a while since we've done a review podcast now. Uh, it's almost two weeks, uh, which feels kind of weird because um, obviously last week we had Lisa Newton on the pod and we decided to not do a review or preview pod. Um, lots to catch up, catch up on though, isn't there for us? Yeah, there is. Um, it's been a lot of women's rugby, um, fair few derbies. Yeah, yeah, since I've spoken to you last, since we did the last pod, I've been to, is it four games? I don't know, no? <laughs> count. You're losing count. Uh, I think you went to three last weekend. I actually went to one with you, so that was nice Nice to get out for myself because I've been in, uh, I don't know, hibernation, hermit, hermitage, I don't know what to call it, for the last two years. Um Let's start with the women, and let's start with Wales women. Um, obviously, we did preview briefly Wales England, and we said it may be a bit galling. It was really, wasn't it, Luce? Yeah, but I think we expected it. In a way, we were still um, in at half time. Um, it was eighteen to zero, wasn't it? Something similar to that. Um, so we're still in it, but I think. That's what England have been doing all tournament. Second half, they've run away with it. Uh, most teams have been within maybe 20 at half time. Um, even Ireland, they were within 10, um, 10 nil, and they beat Ireland 69 nil by the end. So I think they just, they're strong. They've got a strong um, squad and they tend to just score tries for fun. Yeah, uh, it is the case. And I think Wales started well. It's probably the only time Wales have started well, this Six Nations. And um, they were spoiling England a lot. I heard before one of the penalties, take your time, take your time. And those were the, you know, it was this sort of attitude of, um, you know, possibly spoiling the game somewhat to try and put England off their rhythm. And you saw that with the line outs. They, they did a good job on England line out in the first 15 minutes. Unfortunately, then Abby Dow, um, I think she's broken a tib and a fib, uh, which is horrific to say the least. Um, uh, so, and, and you know the the, the sh- you know she's clearly in so much pain, and it was a very galling moment, I think, for all that was were watching, and we send our best wishes to her. But it definitely affected Wales more than it did England because England then sorted out their systems, run through the line-outs during the break and seemed to come out of it better the other side. Yeah, in a way, I think, yeah, momentum just switched to that point um, and England straight away scored a try and, yeah, it continued from there. Um, but yeah, it was a horrific injury. Horrific to see. Yeah, um, I think I wrote something that it reminded me of the incidents with Ross Moriarty recently and um, uh, Jack Willis as well. And not not the yeah. nature of the injury, but the shrieks of pain. And, you, you know, it's, it's it certainly stuck with me. Um, uh, I, I'm not going to delve too much into what were the issues in the Wales performance because I feel like we may be repeating ourselves when we come to previewing France in, in, in just a little bit. But... What were the positives from Wales? Possibly, possibly the try for Kelsey Jones late on. That's the trademark this um, tournament, isn't it? Driving Wales, but I'm chuffed that Kelsey Jones was at the end of it. Yeah, she has become a bit of a, a cultier amongst amongst us too, really, isn't she? I think the way she plays the game, and um, there is a moment. 
I can't remember what what point it is in the second half that England knock the ball over, knock the ball on into Wales' in goal area, and Kelsey Jones picks it up with eighty meters or ninety hundred meters possibly of open space in front of her. And I thought, oh, here we go, this could be interesting. I think she had Jazz Joyce on one shoulder, possibly uh, Kaylee Powell on another. The referee then pulled it back and said, oh, and then apologized for making the mistake of not giving the advantage and. You know, I'd, I'd have paid good money to see uh, Kelsey Jones going in from 80, 90 metres. I t- tell you that for a fact. Um, I don't know if she would have had the pace. I, I, I'm sure she was telling all, all her teammates that she would have had the pace um, in the changing rooms after. Um, for England, England were just superbly strong. And, I, you know, player of the match in the end, I think, was... Uh, Abby Ward, but I thought Emily Scarrett was on a different level to everyone else in the park. Yeah, um, she she's a phenomenal player, um, mm. and she, she's proven that throughout her whole career. Hundred caps for England now. Yeah, she got what that. Saying, yeah, she got that against Ireland, and will be captaining in the uh, Grand Slam decider this weekend. It's a phenomenal achievement. I, I I wanted to write that she was the princess of centres in the sort of old Bled and Williams style uh, description, but I realised that unfortunately due to um, a slightly patronising sense that my sex have used that word, it, is, it doesn't have the same value. So I think to say that she is in the sort of pantheon of centre royalty is a better way of putting it really. And she has become, she has become one of the all time greats and it, it's only yeah. a matter of time before she's put in that hall of fame, surely. Yeah. Like in women's rugby, you don't have many players that get to hundred caps. Um, so I'm sure now more players will just be like, I, yeah, I want, I want that achievement. Yeah. Because even with Wales, like the men um, in the men's game, there's only about eight, nine men. Yeah. That. It's, it's not a lot really in that, in that gang then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that gang is maybe maybe the elite class possibly it might be a better there way of putting go. it. But, you know, I think... Um, yeah, I can't see Alan and Jones starting a Crips or a <laughs> or a blood scam, to be honest. But you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, I think I think there are certainly more Test matches nowadays, and you're seeing more and more players reaching those hundred caps levels. But and it'd be great to see more Test matches in the women's game and more people reaching it in the women's game as well. Um, yeah. You know, England scored some great tries. Sean Brown scored a great try. Uh, you saw Jess Breach and, and people like that. Do you think they will manage it this weekend? Obviously, that you mentioned that they beat Ireland last weekend, sixty-nine nil. They've got France coming up. Do you think they'll manage to get the Grand Slam? Yeah, I do. Um, and obviously, it's going to be their toughest game, their toughest opponent this tournament. Um, but they're a class above the rest. It's England right at the top, France then second, quite a bit above the rest. Mm. But England are just on their own up there. They obviously thrashed um, the Black Ferns during the Autumns. And, yeah, they're on course to another World um, world Cup. Yeah. I, Sorry. I, I struggle to see past them um, in this autumn. Um, but France will be their toughest tar- uh, challenge. And we saw... We saw the good and we saw the bad of France, didn't we, on, on Friday night, last Friday night, in, in Cardiff Farmers Park. You were there, Luce. What first of all, what was the atmosphere like? Because 
It wasn't the crowd that we saw a couple of weeks earlier against Scotland. It wasn't that record-breaking crowd. But was it still? Did it still have the sort of Cardiff Arms Park atmosphere? Yeah, um, that's it's the thing of everyone was on the same side. Yeah. Um, so we were all together. It was um, bouncing pretty much, um, especially at the start before the game started. Everyone was excited. Friday night. Um, that I think that's actually my first ever women's game, actually. Um, so th- I've seen football before, women's football, but I've never seen women's rugby. So for me, it was really exciting um, being part of the crowd. Only only just over 2,000 were there, which it didn't feel like that. No. I think the crowd um, were a lot louder than um, the number in the end. But... It was obviously going to be um, tough for Wales. Um, I know we obviously are home advantage, but you know what, France, France are are the best, third best team in the world, Um, and they showed that. They did. Um, I will say, I think Wales made it easy for them in points, especially in that first half. Um, And I am going, I am going to delve into it because we have been extremely positive on this pod about women's rugby and and the way it's been going. But I think this was a game that I went into thinking, you know, France beat Scotland, what was it, 28-8 or something like that, out in Scotland. I thought, oh, you know, they're, they're a good side, but c- can we maybe can we maybe challenge them? Um, and from the first kick-off, the, the, some of the things they did were not the brightest. You know, the first kick-off, playing into the breeze is long and flat and drilled straight at the fly half. It's straight at Tremulier, who's, you know, they've mentioned several times on commentary that she was player of the decade, etc., etc. But, you know, she she hikes it 60 yards into the Welsh half. And then from then on, Wales are playing catch-up because Wales don't have that exit strategy, that kicking game at the moment because of, you know, I, well, we've spoken to several different people about it and I'm sure we've heard different pods talking about it is that there are maybe certain personnel that aren't being selected that have bigger boots than the current players in, in place. Um, t- to me, it seems like an obvious issue with the kicking. Do you feel the same? And was that a bit of frustration that you could sense on Friday night? Yeah, we've spoken about this a lot. Um, our kicking game is a massive issue at the moment. Um, like you said, there's, there is a certain player in the squad that is well-known for um, being a successful kicker. She usually starts for Gloucester's night ahead of um, Robin Wilkins and they're sitting someone with Shaker George. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think her stats for 50-22s are some of the best in the league and goal kicking stats are a lot better. It's, it's, it's these things that, you know... I I'm I don't want to sound like a classic Welsh fan and get obsessed with the ten jersey. However, when you have a pack like Wales have, which is strong and rely, you know, what is it? Something like eight of the ten tries before the weekend were were from driving malls, and they scored another one through a driving mall as well. So, so a nine out of eleven or something like that. So, if you have such a powerhouse in that driving malls, if you've got someone who can kick the ball fifty meters down the park. Then you've got one hell of a weapon, but at the moment Wales can't exit their own twenty-two. 
And we saw that in England and we saw it again in France. Yeah, well, we saw it also in the first half against Ireland and Scotland. Hmm. To certain stands. Yeah. Especially against Scotland. We couldn't get out of our own half, so... Yeah. yeah. That, that's something we need to work on. We need to work on ball in hand because um, we're not getting enough possession. We're not getting enough territory. Yeah. I I think I think the latter is the bigger issue. I think the territory will allow for more possession because I think at the moment, uh, especially when you're looking at these big packs, these you know the England pack and the France pack, Wales rely on their pack a lot. And when France come up, when they come up against France, and you know you've got athletes like Fal running through like you know <laughs> absolute demon, she was incredible. But when you've got athletes like that running around. It's very hard for the Welsh pack to get dominance. And then if you can't get dominance and you can't get territory, you're on the back foot trying to run from your own 22. And we've seen that countless times, be it Australia and World Cups and things like that. They struggle. And I thought Wales were trying that. They got a bit more joy getting into the outside channel second half with the likes of Butchers and Hannah Jones. But the ball doesn't seem to be getting out to the likes of Jazz Joyce and... And the, the speedsters that we do have enough, does it? Uh, yeah, it's a shame because and we've said and said we've got some skillful players in the back. Um, we've seen the Callum Joneses try against Ireland, um, what they can do, the speed of Jazz Joyce. And yeah, we're not seeing enough. It's all at the moment down to the pack. Yeah, mm. um, the tries are down um, to, to the driving malls. Yeah, we need more. More involvement from the backs. Yeah. And I think against Italy, we've got a chance to do that. I think we somehow need to experiment. There's always new players come in, but that needs to be seen. We need to be able... The same players are starting... No, sorry. Most of the same players are starting the back line. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. see it. It, we do need to see it. Um, I think. I think the as I mentioned, I think there was a plan to do it. I think the issue was we had a lot of back football. I think scrum time. Wales scrum really struggled. I will question the the, the scrummaging angles from the the French loose heads. You mentioned it to me as well. The substitute loose head as well. The scrummaging angles did look a bit interesting. But when you've got that go forward, you do tend to get the first share of decisions. And I think that's how it happened. Uh, the line out as well. That was a bit of a problem um, and that was a shame because obviously we mentioned several times how crucial the line that is for Wales but you do also have to give France credit because in Sanzus um, who I keep on confusing between Camille Sanson the French composer <laughs> and Sanzu the famous art of war writer um, which is probably a good way of describing her because she is somewhat like a magician slash composer but combined with a war <laughs> a, a, a war leader because she is phenomenal and I know it's a bit of a lazy comparison to do with comparing her to Antoine Dupont, but at the same time, if you want to compare someone to the best player in men's rugby, why not compare, well, it's, as far as I've, I've seen so far, the best scrum half in women's rugby? Yeah, and that's exactly what Dupont is, the best um, scrum half in men's rugby. 
Yeah. And they're both French, which is quite annoying. Yeah. And they do play so similarly as well. You know, yeah. it's not just the classic sort of little box kicks and passing from the base. It's it's the all-court game. You see Sansu's the way she gets involved in Chloe Jacquet's try, which I, we'll touch on a little bit in a, in a little bit because... Or, or should we touch on it now, actually? Because that that comes from a bit of a wayward Kira Bevan moment where Kira Bevan gets a penalty inside her own 22, takes a tap, and then kicks the ball over the opposition's defence. And I've heard people say, oh, the kick's... The kick isn't that bad, or say you know the problem is the chase. Well, the the chase is bad because no one knows that Kira Bevan's going to do it. But the only reason Kira Bevan does it is because there's no point waiting to kick to touch because they're not going to get enough territory out of it. So the issue, you know, rather than banging the same drum, which I realise we are, but the issue lies with not being able to kick far enough to touch and not getting the territory. Yeah, that's true. Um... But it, it was the point of either it's a tap and go, at least go, don't kick. <laughs> yeah, it did remind um, me somewhat of that uh, Francois Huchard moment for South Africa where he taps the ball from a penalty and then kicks it out on the full. <laughs> like, and you know, I remember Jonathan Davis getting livid in the commentary. But yeah, it, it wasn't the cleverest moment, but still then it is brilliant play by France, right? Oh, it's a brilliant try, yeah. Um, just, yeah, it was ha- half the pitch set to um, go down. They just, 2 and one 2 and one yeah, beating every defender, um, stepping and the finish. Yeah, it was a brilliant try. Yeah, it was. And I was on, I was on that side, actually, so I was <laughs> able to see it um, very clearly. Weren't tempted um, to trip them up on the way, were you? <laughs> yeah, so close. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, I think just watching a try like that, it shows um, how dominant that kind of side is. Yeah, and yeah. have got players like that who can deliver. Um, yeah, it was it was a class try. Yeah, because there were moments of class from France. We mentioned Tonsu, we mentioned that try. There was the crossfield kick from Tremilier, which is bang on point for Bujard's try, where she shows good strength to outstrip um, strip the ball Sorry, from Jazz Joyce. Then there's also Sansu's other, you know, she scored two tries again to go to six from the tournament. One of her tries, which shows good power, brilliant step as well to beat uh, Bevan. Um, She's so small, but exactly like Devon, like it's just so powerful. Yeah, and ne- that never say die attitude, you know, doesn't doesn't admit when she's been tackled or anything. So it's it's, yeah. it's phenomenal to watch. Um, then, you know the the. There are mitigating factors. I felt Wales... I think Wales had three HIAs in the first half. Uh, I think Jazz Joyce, Lily Crap went off with HIAs. You know, th- those are key players, especially Lily Crap. Yeah. And I felt when Lily Crap went off, Wales looked a little bit rudderless, despite the fact that they brought on Seanad Harries, who, again, was phenomenal in the second half. You know, her try... Let's look at the positives, Lou. So her try was, was superb awareness, wasn't it? Yeah, power... Um, getting the ball down again from a driving mall. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Lily Crap went off quite early, so Charlotte hadn't even warmed up. She was still sat in the stands, um, and then she came down. It was just a bit like, yeah, obviously unexpected, unprepared. Um, but when someone goes off early in the game, it's to be expected. Um, 
but you you can tell who the leader is. She's definitely our captain, um, and she she is she she's really important. She's a key um, element of a team. Yeah, she is. Um, I think maybe she was a bit shaken up because I uh, you know the the tackle she makes on foul that was uncharacteristic to say the least. Um, but. I'm really excited for this weekend because we will have both of them in the starting lineup. And let's move on to next uh, this weekend. Starting lineup for this weekend has seen quite a few changes, Luce, hasn't it? Uh, it's probably probably gone more towards the st- team that started the tournament, hasn't it? To some extent. Yeah, it is really similar to the um, first team um, that we put out against Ireland. Um, Butchers and um, Alex Callender are back in the back row. I know Butchers has always been there, but. Back in the number six shirt, um, Alex is definitely in the place. Yeah, back in the starting lineup. She she needs, um, she needs to watch her mouth though, because she. Uh, <laughs> you obviously didn't pick up on it being at the stadium, but no. uh, the the stadium mic does or the referee's mic picked up on a few <laughs> choice words from Alex Callender <laughs> pre scrum time. Some words that I can't repeat on this pod, um, but yeah, the words of encouragement. Let's put it that way. That were rather. Um, yeah, interestingly worded, let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, and the referee did have to give her a quick little uh, mention, but it, yeah, bless her. I thought she, I thought, I thought she was superb when she came on, though. Absolute terror, isn't she? She's yeah. a nightmare. Yeah, I also think she deserves she she deserves a place back in the starting lineup, and you've got the likes of Lily Crab and Harris starting as well. Mm. Um, on paper, it's strong. Um, it's the best we've got. We've we're including all the players. Um, that are playing their best rugby at the moment. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, Sean can um, produce what she's been producing in the second half of these games. Hopefully, she can start off like that. Yeah. Because well. um, yeah. we saw against England that maybe her discipline wasn't the best. She gave away a few too many penalties, perhaps, against England. Um, so hopefully, she can cut that out of the game and just show, you know. What an absolute nuisance she is to play against. Yeah. We, we've heard from everyone pretty much what a nuisance she is. We heard from Lisa last week as well. So um, definitely someone we we would like to see on the pitch as for as long as possible. Uh, the other changes we've seen, the, the front row. Um, yeah, front row um, is all new, has all changed. So um, Hope is stepped in at Loosehead, Cassie Jones. Yeah. I'm smiling. Yeah, I'm excited about it as well. You know, she. I think it's. deserves the... a start. I know we've got two classy second rows here. Um, sorry, um, hookers. Yeah. And obviously, Cardis Phillips is, is is brilliant. She really is. But Kelsey has really made an impact off the bench. So I'm glad she's getting this opportunity. Yeah, she fully deserves it. She's she she she's got a lot of joy to the way she plays the game as well, and. You saw the celebrations after the try against England. I, I, I just, I, I really like watching her play. So I'm really excited to see her. Um, and we've got Donna Rose coming back in at tight yeah. end as well, isn't it? Um, I think Gwendolyn Perse has concussion. Unfortunately, that's why she misses out. Um, yeah, and, she came back on the pitch. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I, interesting, I agree. Uh, but I, you know, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps she had a later knock. I'm not. I'm not sure of, or perhaps it was later effects, which can happen. We have seen that several times. That sometimes these effects of concussion can be seen 
much later than the 10 minutes allocated for the, the, the HIHX. But um, yeah, it is a somewhat interesting one, but we won't touch on it because we're not too aware. I suppose we're not too aware of what's going on behind the scenes there. Um, in the backs, there are just just a couple of changes though, aren't there? Yeah, um, Fionn Lewis is starting at scrum half. Um, Wilkins is back in the 10 shirt with Ken Lake coming in at 12. Also, again, a massive impact off the bench. Mm. I think that's one thing about the France game. Um, the bench made a difference when it came on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think the, the second half was something like 7-5 to France. But yeah. the problem is when you've conceded... <laughs> 26 points in the first 30 minutes is quite hard to come back from isn't it um and then the the final change Um, is the first start for the tournament for the young full back isn't it yeah for neve terry um and kaylee powell um, who has started every game actually um she'll be on the bench coming up for us yeah i'm i'm a bit disappointed for kaylee powell i thought she's been superb all tournament i think she's been one of Wales's form players for me. Um, but it'd be exciting to see what Neve can do. We saw her come off the bench against France, obviously. Probably didn't get a chance to show all her skills, but there's a lot of talk about how her speed and how she's good in the seven circuit. So, you know, getting as many speedsters on the pitch as possible is always a good thing. Um, I was a little bit... So we need, to, but we need to get the backs involved. Exactly. To be able to see that, because we know Jazz Jazz is quick. But we haven't seen this tournament. No, and the the first thing is we need to sort that set piece out, and that's the simple thing to yeah. say there. Um, sorting out the set piece, getting a bit more dominance there, um, both in the scrum and in the line out. If we can get a bit more territory, that would be beautiful. <laughs> um, I was slightly surprised to see Fion starting, uh, purely because Kira Bevan seems to be the goal kicker of choice, and if you're starting with Robin, her goal kicking isn't as consistent as Kira's probably. Um, so that's no. a little bit of a surprise to me. Maybe they're going to go all out and go for tries rather than going go for three. But they, they will be going out um, wanting to win this game um, because they know they can. They know they can beat it today. You, they can. It's, it's not going to be as straightforward as that. It's going to be a dogfight. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think we can say... It's going to be straightforward. It, Italy Wales games have been dogfights for years. They've got, they've always got a decent set piece. They've got a couple of flair players behind. I think the kickers they're kicking really well at the moment for posts, and that's why I was thinking maybe we need to, so so you know fight fire with fire sort of element there. Um, you know, yes, they had a pretty poor performance against England, and again a poor performance against Ireland. They'd have been very disappointed with that, but. Coming coming off the back of a win against Scotland, they will be with their tails up, won't they, Luce? And and that and seeing a side an Italian side coming to to Wales with their tails up is not a sight we want to see. No, um, and I'm sure the women we want to go one one up compared to the men actually mm. um, and beat Italy. Um, but yeah, it's not going to be an easy challenge. Um, but I think Wales will be determined. They'll want to come third. Um, in the table, which will, which would be a massive achievement. Um, yeah, it would be first first time yeah. since two thousand and nine. So exactly, and that's a long time ago. Yeah, it is. It is, and it's a long time coming. Yeah, let's let's be honest about it. It's it's probably a bit ridiculous that it's taken this long. Yeah, considering how how strong the men's game has been over the last decades. You know, winning what are we talking? One, two, three, four championships in the last. 
the last 13 years. And you compare that yeah. with with the women, or well, yeah, five champions in the last fourteen, and you compare that with the women, and you'd think, why aren't why aren't the women getting to the same levels? And hopefully now we will see that more consistently with the professional contrast, and that will be the hope. Um, I'm going to put you on the po- on the spot here, Luce, because I we we do need to move it on to regionals, but score prediction: what are you fancying for Wales against Italy? Um, Wales twenty seven, Italy twenty. Interesting. Yeah, I'd I'd go for a similar margin. I think Wales will win by a try. I'm gonna go Wales twenty twenty four, Italy nineteen. Okay. I think it will be a similar score. Um, I'm gonna ask you about England France as well. Do you think that could be England by something like? No, I, I want to see a tight game, but I can see it being England by almost 20, that game. Yeah, well, France are... They're at home. So that's going to help them out. Yeah. Um, they'll make it difficult for England, for definite. Um, but I think France are better than we've seen this tournament. Even though they've played well, they've won every game. Um, but... Like, like I said at the start of the pod, England are a class above. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably say by 25. Yeah, we're yet to see France put in a full 80 OE. No, it's been no. 40s, 40s each, all the way through. You know, they didn't and score. Even against Wales, we helped them out. Yeah, and, you know, i got to be honest, France weren't great against us. The, the amount of handling errors they committed were, yeah. you know, it was ridiculous. I think it was up in the up in the high teens by about 60 minutes. So they definitely yeah. need to improve that. If, if they play like that against England, they are going to struggle, frankly, because they won't get the forward dominance they did against Wales and they're going to struggle with England's counter-attack. Um, and then the final game, Scotland-Ireland. Uh, sorry, Ireland-Scotland, I should say, because it is in Ireland. Look, it's very difficult for Ireland. They are without so many of their backs due to sevens duties. Uh, there's a lot of things going on behind the, uh, behind the scenes. Lots of talk now that there will be professional contests in Ireland, which is great to hear and in some ways say finally, and I'm sure they would be right in saying that. <laughs> do you think Ireland can end this tournament on a high or do you think Scotland will get that second, or sorry, first victory of the tournament? I think Ireland will take it, actually. Um, I think they'll have learned against England because they were still in it um, in that first half. Um, and I know they're, they're um, missing a lot of players because of the sevens, but I, I think Ireland will take it, yeah. Um, Ireland by, I think it'd be tight, so maybe Ireland, Ireland by five. I'm going to say Scotland. I'm going to say Scotland by four. Um I'd like to see Scotland play, uh, win the game because I think they've actually played better than their results show. Yeah, I um, agree. I didn't see much of this game against Italy, but that would have been a game they'd have been disappointed to lose. I think they were unlucky against Wales in certain aspects that Wales came back as strongly as they did in the second half. I think they performed well against England. They performed well against France, especially second half, where I think they kept France to nil. So... They will be hoping for a good result, and I hope they do get that result because I think they deserve it for their overall championship performance. Um, let's park women's rugby for the time being. We will come back to it at the end, and let's talk about URC because there have been three derbies that we haven't discussed. So let's start with the first, which was 
Uh, Scarlet at home to the Dragons. Um, I want... I'd, ra- I'd rather forget this game. Yeah, can can you start? Because I, otherwise, I know I'm going to rant. <laughs> um, it was a disappointing result for Scarlet and for us as supporters. Um, it was just frustrating because we've been on such a roll recently. Um, I think we were all pretty certain we'd easily beat Dragons at home considering mm-hmm. how Dragons have played all season, how they'd only won one game. Yeah. Um, and how it was third game in. Um, so, yeah, a bit disappointed. Um, but I know we'll get on to it. Three tries, maybe on another day. Well, maybe shouldn't have been tries altogether. But the fact that they continued and they did continue to score... Um, more tries. It, yeah, it was a credit to the Dragons, really, for carrying on because <laughs> we we couldn't stop them at the end. No. Um, you know, yeah. Uh, uh, let, let's look at the positive. Dragons did play quite well. Um, for instance, I think Jack Dixon had a good game. Will Rowlands had a good game. Um, you saw a nice try from Rodri Williams at the end, which I always like to see. Um, but... Uh, I I I really I'm really struggling not to come away from it looking at the the issues, and I have no issue with any of the yellow cards. I don't think you do either, do you? With the the three no. yellow cards, uh, the four yellow cards issued. Um, you know, John Fox Davis. I know Dean Ryan then had a go at uh, Ben Whitehouse for for the fact he thought that one should have been a red. I I personally felt that was shoulder to shoulder first and. If you're shoulder to shoulder initial contact, then if it does ride up, yeah, yellow. But the initial point of contact yeah. means it's it's a yellow at max. Um, it's definitely a professional foul against Steph for not releasing in the tackle. I'd love to see referees give that more. I thought that was brilliant refereeing to give that as a yellow card when it was a clear line break. You know, if they if if Dragons are able to uh, recoup that possession and and. To, and uh, pass it wide quickly that is a try and then also yeah it's a deliberate knock on from Corey definite yellow card no complaints um, I will say with I think the penalty count was something like 6-16 against the Dragons with Dragons conceded 16 penalties by about 70 minutes or something like that and maybe maybe one yellow card for 16 penalties is a bit low would be yeah. my one criticism Um I did enjoy Gwyn George's commentary, as I've quoted to you earlier <laughs> this week, which was when he gave the yellow card to Sayuli, because obviously it's straight after Liam Williams. Liam Williams goes over on the corner and he's playing penalty advantage, gives the yellow card to Sayuli. And Gwyn George say, well, that's not a very conventional decision to yellow card after a try. However, Ben Whitehurst hasn't followed convention tonight at all. And I thought... If the commentator is calling you out at, to that extent, perhaps you haven't had the best game. <laughs> I would concur, and I'm, I'm I'm trying to hold I'm trying to hold it back because I don't want to make this a a pod that just attacks referees constantly. We have commented on the drop off in the URC um, refereeing; it, it, it's astronomical compared to the the English Premiership and the Champions Cup. I thought that performance. Yeah, I thought that performance from, from a perspective of, th- there were, in my opinion, three tries that shouldn't have stood. Is diabolical, 
And that's not yeah. just on the referee, that's on the TMO as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the first one, the Jack Dixon one, I'm sure they call it knock-on. And then go to TMO and somehow manage to reverse the decision, even though it appears that he is initially short. Um, then there's the team bashing one, which for me, if that's not a double movement, I don't know what is, because that seems the most obvious double movement I've seen all season. Um, with Foxy, Foxy's he's on his knees and Foxy's got a hold of him and then he lifts himself up and propels himself forward. Uh, I'd love to know how that's on double movement. And then the Jack Dixon break through Costello to to put Jared Rosser in. You know, for Sam Costello there, you're between a rock and a hard place, aren't you? What 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 can Costello do? He's got a hold of Jack Dixon's ankle when Jack Dixon hits the floor. For me, that's tackle complete. Because Costello knows he then needs to roll, because otherwise he's getting penalised for not rolling away. So he rolls immediately... Jack Dixon gets back to his feet and runs and throws a two-on-one to Jared Rosser. Ben Whitehouse thinks it's fine. And I, I, I personally, it's decisions like that, that that get you frustrated because Scarlett, in my opinion, didn't play their best but didn't deserve to lose um, that game. Well, yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't want to criticise the referee too much, but he, he did cost us the game. Well, it's 21 points. Because they were all converted, all those tries, because they were right in front of posts. Yeah. It's 21 points yeah. that he's, in my opinion, given unjustly to the Dragons. Yeah, and like you said, we should have won that game and we would have been in a much better chance of getting to the top eight if we had won the game. Yeah. And there is... It's a shame. It is a shame. Um, do you want to touch on a certain someone being Steph Evans and how he was perhaps, you know, running a very tight rope with not getting the second yellow in the first game against Dragons with Ben Whitehouse and getting on the wrong side of Ben Whitehouse with his complaints. And then a number of people will say that he perhaps should have had a second yellow in the second game. He's become a bit of a liability. Um, And it's not the first season that he gets like this where... I think he, in a way, he gets too excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. I think he gets a bit passionate. Things aren't quite yeah. clicking for him. Maybe not quite going his way, and he's maybe getting a little bit frustrated at that. Yeah, probably. Um, but he, he needs to be careful because he will lose his place. And I know we do keep it rotating, and obviously, Combi hasn't played in a long time now. I think he came off the bench against Dragons last weekend. But um, we do have other wingers that are being rotated so if he's not careful he will be dropped yeah and you mentioned Combia you mentioned you've got Tom Rogers as well you've got um, you've got the likes of Johan Nicholas as well possibly to play there so if he doesn't play well he's not going to play it's a simple simple set, set, uh, situation that he's in there the second game I've mentioned it I've touched that. that's probably the biggest talking point in the second game is was it a deliberate knock-on, a second deliberate knock-on by Steph Evans? I'm going to say no. For me, the ball goes backwards and therefore it was quite rightly played up, play on. You Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, as, as a Scarlet fan, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> as a Scarlet fan, I'm not surprised you do agree. But it, it to me, it's 
similar to the Tompkins when the ball goes backwards for me. Um, I actually thought Scarlets were very unfortunate because they did reclaim possession and then because the referee had initially given a penalty and was about to give a yellow card, Ben White has brought it back for a, a dragon scrum when it should have been a Scarlet scrum. But that's beside that's despite the point. Um, sorry, it wasn't Ben Whitehouse. It was. A, it was. I was going to say Ben Whitehouse. Yeah, like, he was double booked for other games, but that's that's another <laughs> that's another issue entirely. Um, but yeah, I think I think the second game was it was a bizarre first half. To be perfectly honest, Dragons dominated territory and possession. But yeah, Scarlet. After th- well, before their first try, seventy percent. No, seventy nine percent possession. Yeah, I, it was it was utter <laughs> dominance, and but Scarlets were just clinical, and you saw glimpses of the old Scarlets with the Angus O'Brien try. What we we excited to see sort of the the touches that you saw from the likes of Luisi, and I must give him the credit; he played very well. Was Rhys Patchell. Yeah, it's a great play. Um, and then Angus's line as well in his um, gas. Um, again, you need to finish that. But Luis, I love him. <laughs> just his hands. He's, his try as well. He's just basketballing. Just, yeah, guys, my hands are going above all of you just to touch down. Yeah. He's really skillful because, like, yeah, obviously he's got big hands, but you can easily drop that ball. Yeah. I, I will say if he does drop that ball... Um, and deserves the man of the match. Yeah, he did. <laughs> if he did drop that ball, a lot of people would be on his back. But uh, he, he was superb all game. Absolutely superb. And a nuisance for Dragons. They couldn't cope with him. Um, yeah, you mentioned the pace from Angus O'Brien. Uh, I thought Jordan Williams made him look like Usain Bolt running through. But all the same, I thought he played... Angus yeah. played very well himself. Uh, deserved Fully deserved his two tries. Um Good to see Rob Evans getting a bit of meat as well. You know the way he boffs off Sam Davis. I think, <laughs> I think that is what every front row has dreamed of the night before a game is peeling off the back of a yeah. driving wall and seeing a fly half standing there, flat, hoping he's not going to run at him. And that was pretty much the dream for Rob Evans. Um, other players that stood it's out. Good to see him back. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, I don't, I don't want to delve too much into he's, Rob Evans. He's thing. been quite unf- yeah, he's been a bit unfortunate over the last few years with injuries, with the lack of selection, but it's great to see him back. Yeah. Play for the Scarlets. It's 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 an odd one. We've discussed it several times off pod. What what's the situation with Rob Evans? Why he's not getting anywhere near starting for Scarlets regularly and why he's not getting well, initially why he wasn't starting for Scarlets regularly and then why he was taken out of the Wales team. I don't know. I've decided to leave it and park it because I don't think I'll ever know. Uh, something's gone on behind the scenes, but we'll leave it there. Um, Dragons did fight their way back into it, though, didn't they? And you look at that moment where Adam Warren goes clean through, a uh, you know, straight through past John Fox Davis to score and under the sticks and make it, I think it was 1917 at the time. And were you looking at that worried? Were you thinking, oh, no, I don't know if... I don't know if we're going to see this one out. Well, as you know, I wasn't watching the game. I just saw the notification that Dragons were two points ahead. So I texted you like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> How long's left? Um, but then I kept my phone out and all the notifications of all the... I think there was three more tries after that for the Scarlets. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe if I was there watching it or at home watching it on telly, it, it might have been quite worrying. 
um, sign, thinking, okay, 60 minutes um, on the clock, not long left, after last weekend, um, where that's when trans woke up, properly woke up, and were dominant. Um, so I, I'm glad we we got to revenge then and finished it off at the end. Yeah, you did. Um, I, and literally, I played right to the last minute, which is important. Yeah, and it was some moments of class from some of the internationals, you know, the flat pass from uh, um, Patchell out to Baldwin is brilliant. The looping pass from Johnny Williams out to yeah. Angus O'Brien is very good as well. Um, Johnny Williams, actually, he was up for, you know, he's probably the commentator standards. He was competing for man of the match. I thought he was terrible first half. I <laughs> thought he was absolutely terrible, but was brilliant in the second half. So um, I can understand why he was mentioned. But yeah, first half performance was, you know, he was missing tackles left, right and centre for me. But um, he does bring something to the Scarlet, doesn't he? That direct running, something that the Scarlet midfield needs, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, especially with the loss of Scott Williams now. Um, obviously, they tried that partnership, Scott at 12, Johnny at 13. But I think Johnny, Johnny is more of a 12, Fox yeah. is more of a 13, and it's working. Um, and we've got a lot of class, classy centres at the Scarlets. Shame for Steph Hughes. Um, but, yeah, in, there we've, you've got three internationals. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's great to be able to back them. Yeah, and with with the likes of Combia, Rogers, and uh, you know when he's fit, McNichol, Liam, um, you know Corey Baldwin. I'm so happy to see Corey Baldwin back in Welsh rugby because I thought he was a brilliant player. He's more of a centre, frankly, Corey. But yeah. seeing him out on the wing, getting him in that team sheet is is great to see. Um, it's working. It is definitely working, and Scarlets are back on track somewhat still with in the hunt for the top eight do you think that is achievable um well mathematically yeah um <laughs> realistically no um because we've got two games left now one away to ospreys and then storm is a kind of just nasty um if we'd have beaten dragons that first game i'd say you know what there's a big chance here but Osprey's away is always a tough game. Also, George North might be returning. Yeah. Which is quite interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's always a tough game. Um, so, yeah. I'm obviously hoping for a Scarlet swim, but I think the biggest test is how the Stormers come to Finesley. Uh We've had one South African team so far, um, which were the Lions. That was the start of the season. They didn't have any of the internationals. We beat them easily. It's a different kind of game now. Completely different ball um, game. And Stormers are, well, I think they are the best of the South African size at the moment. Yeah, yeah. the second in the table currently stands. Um, so it will be one hell of a test for the Scarlets. Um, but they do look like they are likely to cap off the season with the Welsh Shield, despite a victory for the Ospreys away at Cardiff. Lucy, you were there for this one. I watched from home. I wish I hadn't watched it. You were forced to watch it because you were playing. What? Do you want to talk about it? Because it was an absolute diabolical game. Yeah. Well, yeah, scoreline. Cardiff 6, Osprey's 22 at the end. At half-time, it was 3-0 to Cardiff. <laughs> and then Osprey's tries in the second half were down to two driving balls. Well, two kind of 
um, tries dominated by the forwards and an intercepted pass that Therese Webb caught and ran half the field. Yeah. Um, I, I, honestly, I've got nothing more to add. <laughs> uh, they, obviously, there's two um, attempts by Ospreys in the first half that were held up by Cardiff. Um, yeah. You, you can tell that Ospreys obviously dominated. They had the best chances. Um, I was quite glad they didn't get a bonus point because of the Welsh Shield. Um, yeah. I was I was pretty happy not being an Ospreys fan. Um, but it was a shame. After the performance, Cardiff um, had against Saracens the previous week. It was a shame that we couldn't see them play like that again. Yeah, and I, I spoke about it on... Um, Scrum of the Earth podcast, uh, the USA podcast that I was kind of invited on by, but the Cardiff were superb in that game, and Cardiff could have won that game against Saracens, and I wondered then, was it that Saracens Saracens were poor, or was it that Cardiff were great? Having seen that performance from Cardiff at home to Ospreys in a derby game, the only thing I can think of is Saracens were terrible that day. Yeah, because sure. Ca- Cardiff was so bad against Ospreys, they didn't offer, didn't offer anything really. But a James Ratty attack once, there were no threats. Cabango showed glimpses, but you know he was going to struggle to run past an Ospreys defence that has been very mean this season. You know, I'm looking, I'm looking. Uh, Ospreys have conceded the least amount of points in the bottom half of the table, but uh, comfortably. By almost a hundred points. Well, sorry, fifty points oh, wow. to 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 the Lions. And their defense has been good, but the problem is scoring tries. And the fact that two hookers and a scrum half score the tries, and the scrum half scores an interception, uh, is the story of the season. Yeah. Ospreys have relied on driving malls, and then if it's not a Kieran Williams crash ball when he's not playing, <laughs> basically, on Reese Webb moments of brilliance and. Fair play to Webb. He is carrying the Osprey side at the moment. Because this, this Osprey yeah. side are offering absolutely nothing behind. No, absolutely and on paper, nothing. that team against Cardiff, they should have done so much more. They've, they've got so many internationals on that side. Um, they've got attacking players as well against them. He... He's an attacking fly half, and yeah, further back than Reese Webb, you don't get anything at the moment. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I'll give, I'll give Anscombe a bit of the benefit of the doubt this season still because he has come back from such a long term injury, and I think, I think it is important to give him that benefit of the doubt. However, when you've got a player like Alex Cuthbert in the form that he's in, and you can't get him significantly involved in the game. Yeah. Well, that's not, I. I can't blame Cuthbert for that because Cuthbert, the form he's in, and he when he did get the ball in hand, he looked dangerous. But he just he, he can't get the ball, and you know we've spoken before. Watkin is brilliant defensive player, but sometimes he's got his limitations. And I thought we saw his limitations on the weekend again. I do like him, but there needs to be more. And hopefully, you know, you mentioned George North coming back. Hopefully, that will be a somewhat quick fix. How Matt Prothero doesn't start. 
for uh, Ospreys is beyond me. I I quite like Max Nagy myself. I know it's unfortunate for him to pick up an injury, but how he doesn't start is beyond me. But yeah, I I I I could I could blow my top with the Ospreys because it was so frustrating to watch that game, um, and I think I may have tweeted at the end of the game thank goodness that's over from all of us <laughs> um, probably shouldn't have done that that was a bit of a bit rude of, of me but you know aside from certain players that we've named several times in the pod um, it wasn't a great Ospreys performance it was a terrible Cardiff performance I think the Cardiff performance is summed up by the fact that they're dominating the scrum first half Dimitri Arhip is turning Gareth Thomas inside out every scrum He's taken off after forty five minutes. Yeah, I was just like, "How on earth is that a That's decision? Hard, yeah. What on earth is that decision about?" I, I, it was baffling to me, utterly baffling. Um, yeah, I, I haven't got much more to add to be honest. I don't know about so, you. Yeah, what do you think um, the result is going to be this weekend then? Oh, what's the weather like? That's the first and foremost. <laughs> I think it's meant to be dry this week, uh, well, on Saturday then. I will be performing a rain dance. Um, <laughs> I honestly... If, if Please it, don't. I don't want it to be a dry day. If it rains, Osprey's a win. If it's dry, it's more of a 50-50. Because I just it's think... It's meant the, to be dry, definitely. I just think... The, yeah, well, if it's dry, it, it is a 50-50 because if... If the Scarlets get enough ball, they're going to be dangerous and going to cause Ospreys problems. Ospreys can't cause the Scarlets problems. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you can't get bonus points at home to Zebra and against that Cardiff defence, I don't know who you're going to get bonus points against. I, 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 I genuinely, I, it's. I'm yeah. I'm just glad it's not Ben White as refing. Yeah, yeah, it'll. Yeah. Who are you backing? Who are you backing? Do you think Scarlets get the win? I'm, ba- I'm backing Scarlets, yeah. 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 I'll, I'll be watching the game with an Osprey supporter this weekend, so that'll be fun. Yeah. I'll back, I'll back, <laughs> I'll back Ospreys. I'll back them to win. Um, you've got Aled with you going down to Cornwall, haven't you? He's, he's going down with Bechim Brotard with you. Fellow Scarlets boy. Yeah, is he Scarlets? Oh, great. Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, it'll be good. Um, I'm going for Scarlets win. Yeah. yeah, I've got it back for lads. Um, looking at our performance compared to Ospreys this season, um, and I think that win against Dragons now has just, yeah, end of the season, hopefully we can finish in a high. Yeah. And give ourselves the best of chance of getting that top eight, even though I think it'd be really difficult. Um, but, yeah, like the Welsh Shield, we could... We are dominated at the moment, and we could extend that lead even further. Um, and I hope we do. Yeah, it, it, it's a key game for that Welsh well, If if Ospreys can get a win, it narrows it down to I think four point. Oh uh, well, yeah, let's be honest, five points because Ospreys aren't going to uh, try scoring bonus point. Um, so uh, I think. <laughs> sorry, I'm actually dep- <laughs> that sounded so depressed, didn't it? Um, but I think that's that's just a fact of it. It's not happening. Um, there are some signings we need to talk about before we move on from USC because I want I, I want to move on from Ospreys as much as possible. Uh, some re-signings we've seen John Fox Davis re-sign. We've seen Jordan Williams re-sign for the Dragons. Yeah. Uh, Gareth Thomas I think has re-signed Thomas, for yeah. the Ospreys as well, and a big signing in Timani for Cardiff 
rugby second row or back row I think he played an eight against Wales back in 2016 I think I saw something on that um do we need another number eight get into second row yeah stick him in second row uh I know Andy Davis sent me a message saying oh my god we've signed someone really excited about that um I'm glad to see Cardiff investing in the front five I think so they need to invest in front row. Yeah, maybe something in the front row. Maybe think, convert into a front row player. Yeah, I think the front row is the priority more than anything. I can't stress mm. that enough. I, I know they, they were dominant in the first half in the scrum against Ospreys, but that has been a very much few and far between performance for them this season. Um, and perhaps was more due to the fact that Dimitri Arhip wanted to make a point against his old teammates rather than anything else. But yeah. Cardiff, die young, if you're listening, which I know you're not, um, please sign a front <laughs> rower. Please sign a front rower. That you need one. Um I think we're covered on URC. Um you yeah. me- so we mentioned the the first two games you went to this weekend. We mentioned Wales France, you went to, we've mentioned uh Cardiff Ospreys. The third game that we attended was Ponticlean Falcons at home to Cobra, um in Ponticlean. It was a bit one-sided. Yes. It was. What was the final score in the end? Uh, reported by Pontecline Falcons was 77-0. Um, we've gone through it. We can't work out how it's 77-0, but that's beside the point. We There were, I think, I think Pontecline scored 12 tries. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, basically on that, we were struggling to work out how they managed to get an even number, an odd number, actually, sorry, of points. But but let, let's talk about the game. For Cobra, it's been a learning process all season, hasn't it, for them? Um, you know, They're a young team full of a lot of young girls playing. We, we, saw, you know, we saw that firsthand that there were quite a few inexperienced players, weren't there, yeah. for Cobra. They've got a good back row, but maybe it was a case of Ponticlean just having too much? Yeah. Um, I think, well, their coach um, is Lisa Newton um, and they're a very structured team. Like England in the women's game, um, they are a class above the rest. I think, yeah, Ponticlean um, are a class above Cobra. Um, even though, um, as Lisa said, Cobra were physical, the scoreline doesn't outline the game. Um but especially those individuals playing for Pontecline Falcons who who are just superb. Yeah, I think you know you mentioned the physicality of Cobra. Cobra had a lot of possession, but probably just yeah, they did. Yeah, just didn't manage to do much with it really. I think Pontecline were fairly comfortable for the majority of the game in defence. Um, you, you, you know, we spoke about that. I think they were fanning up in the thirteen channel, putting pressure on them and those sort of things. And I think we saw that pay dividends for them. But the individuals we saw, especially you know, especially the, the the sort of players that came off the bench for Ponticlean with Maya Dixon, Wales under-18s, fly half, scoring her first senior try, which is great to see. Uh, Laurie Norcott scoring an absolute pearl from about 50 metres out, wasn't it? Uh, was stepping and fending her way through. There were some brilliant performances from probably lesser-known players as well. You know, Club club stalwarts, the likes of Deeks, the likes of Fiona Owen, the likes of... Um, second row coming, I think it was. Um, do, and, yeah, Charlie Mundy 
in the second row. Charlie Mundy, yes, as well, yeah. She was superb. Um, and hat-trick from Leanne Burnell. Yeah, of course, we can't we can't leave that out. That was the, I, I wrote an article on it, didn't I? That was the first, that first line I wrote, wasn't it? <laughs> the highlight of the game was undoubtedly a hat-trick for wing Leanne Burnell. So I probably should mention that. <laughs> but yeah, I think... Um, it, there was a there was a different in class there, but Ponteclean will look at that and think, right, we've managed to keep them to nil. That's a good thing for our defence. We'll be very proud of that. Look into next week. They've got um oh sorry a week, week Saturday. Am I right in saying was it a week Sunday. Sunday? Week Sunday. They've got Nelson arriving, and that will be a different kettle of fish. Uh, we will be there. Will we not, Liz? Yes. We, we, we promised Lisa yes. we'll, we'll be there, so we better be there. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, hopefully we'll have the same weather that we did last weekend because that was a stunning day to watch rugby of any level. And it'll be a different kettle of fish. I can implore anyone to go and watch the game because it's a great atmosphere and it's great to see. Um, yeah, it's just great to see grassroots rugby. I really enjoyed it. Uh, although I sort of want lots of people to be there, but I also don't want lots of people to be there because I'm still shielding. <laughs> <laughs> so I may, I may have to be uh, just uh, just hiding in a corner somewhere if lots of people turn up. <laughs> no, but it was lovely to meet Lisa Lipton, wasn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant to meet her in person, and she gave us a lot of her time, and that was really appreciated. Um, I did think we probably should have stuck a mic in her face and say, right, have you got actually any quotes on the performance? <laughs> <laughs> Give her a proper post-match interview. And maybe we'll do that for the Nelson game. Um, but yeah, um, she was very chuffed, pretty hot cock-a-hoop with the performance. Uh, thought they'd left a few tries out there as well. So definitely areas to improve on. Um, that covers us this week, I believe. So, loose. Yes. Yes. Um Yes, we have covered everything. We have covered everything. I will just say we are rather tired, the pair of us. Um, so, yeah, just in case we have been babbling on about nonsense and this, that and their thing and complaining <laughs> about certain people uh, for too long, I apologise. But I think we have been rather excited about some of the performances, especially by Wales women. We are looking forward to their final performance against Italy. Unfortunately, you won't be there, Luce. You are travelling down to Cornwall yeah. with Beck in Brotav. Yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah, exciting. Exciting. Um, but hopefully, I'll be able. Hopefully, I'll be able to watch a few matches whilst I'm down there. I'm definitely going to try and watch uh, Osprey Scarlet. Yeah. Are you 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 going to struggle to watch the Wales women? Is it? You've got a performance early in the morning. Is that right? Yeah, so I'm unsure what time we'd be able to get to a pub by. <laughs> you did <laughs> but say I've to me. I've got my phone, so. <laughs> you did say to me, yeah, we've we've got a concert in the morning, and then uh, it's a sesh. <laughs> I was like, great. <laughs> <laughs> so touring choirs are now the new touring rugby teams, by the sounds of it. Well, it's a male voice choir. What do you expect? Yeah, male voice choir, and you're you're on chaperone duties by all by all accounts. Yeah, apparently so. Yeah, <laughs> got to back up my credit check. <laughs> Yeah, should be good. Um, yeah, thank you very much for listening. We will be planning on doing some more interviews in the future. Um, hopefully get some more Welsh internationals on. That is the plan. Um, after Thank you very much for the great response that that's had on Twitter. Um, but yeah, we really enjoy doing these reviews as well. So we will try and mix and match between the two. Um, trying to shove as much information as, as possible. Um, so yeah, I think... 
The best thing is we hope for a great win for Wales women on the weekend. I'll be hoping for an Ospreys win. Lucy will be hoping for a Scarlet's win. One of us is going to be very unhappy unless there's a draw. Unless both, and then I think both of us will be unhappy if there's a draw. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for listening. And yeah, so long from me. Yeah.